and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson's vacation continues on. He will be back next week. We hope Gordon is having a nice time. We will talk to David Locke here momentarily, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. We'll get his thoughts on uh, these couple of losses in a row to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I know David talked a lot today about seeding on his podcast, so we'll certainly get his thoughts on that and uh, what needs to happen for the Jazz to come away with a win tonight despite being down not only Donovan Mitchell, but also uh, Mike Conley as well, as he uh, re-aggravated apparently his hamstring that uh, uh, bothered him back in February, and he's going to miss the game tonight. You know, the. Um, in fact, let's get out to the zone phone. Of course, uh, David's appearance brought to you each and every week by the good folks at the Murdoch Auto Group. He is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. David Locke, what's up, David? Not much. How are you? Oh, I'm good, man. Uh, how about yourself? You so doing all right? Late, late game makes for um, a long work day. It does make for a long work day, which uh, it's a good thing I love what I do, so I can't complain too much. But... Yeah, I, I suddenly like looked up. I've been kind of working all day, and I just looked up, and I was like, well, I still have seven hours left today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you get to go as uh, when the game's over. You can stay and do the post game if you want. Um, no, no. That's good. No, um, you're all right. <laughs> well, at least yeah, I don't I'm... have uh, Gordon and his negative vibes driving, dra- uh, dragging me down, you know. Right. Um. Yeah, no, I, you know, you know, poor, poor Gordon, you know. <laughs> poor you Gordon's know. having a tough time on vacation. No, we, we hope uh, Gordon uh, is having I'm a, I'm a little surprised to hear you. It didn't sound like you were going to be here today. Well, I won't be here tomorrow. There was definitely a chance that I was not going to be here today, but that bun is still in the oven. But it won't be it, tomorrow. It won't be tomorrow? No, it will not be tomorrow. Uh, all right. Well, congratulations. Thanks, David. I appreciate it. That uh, that means uh, that means a lot. Um, let's let's dive into the jazz. Uh, let's... Oh, by the way, yeah, I didn't give you my greatest parent piece of parenting advice that anyone ever gave me. Ooh, because you have it? one, right? I do. You have one right now. Yep. Okay. So this is a little late to orchestrate, but you need to do this. I promise you, this is like the smartest thing you'll ever do in your whole life. So uh, your first one is a boy or girl? Girl. So. You have to find your closest friend who's not an idiot, so Gordon doesn't count. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Preferably that has a kid that's the same age as your daughter. Okay. Upon arriving at home with the new baby, the last thing in the world you want to do is this, but this is the right thing to do. A big sister party. Oh. So you have balloons maybe like a cake and you have those friends and it lasts 10 minutes because you don't want anyone around for any longer than that. That's true. But the minute you come home with a baby, it's like a huge celebration of your first child becoming a big sister. Well, that's a good idea. Cause we've been worried about that. Uh, you, you know, no, right. making sure she yeah. gets, attention. I mean, it's how you raise totally soft, totally spoiled kids. <laughs> um, I'm, and I'm really good at that. Um, I w- I've, I've done that successfully. 
So, yeah, that was like a great advice. And then the other one is, by the way, is the closet um, full of toys for all your friends that are idiots that come and bring a gift for the baby, but not for the big sister. Uh, and then you're like, oh, my gosh, look what they brought you. And it's actually all from you. The whole that's time. smart, Again, though. the script on how to raise totally spoiled, soft, happy children. Well, that's what I'm aiming for. So that's good advice. Right. I appreciate it. Uh, let's dive into the jazz. And, David, I want to ask you this question and take, you, take it wherever Maybe you want to. Maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> take it wherever you want to go. How important is the number one seed to the Utah Jazz, or really any NBA team for that matter? I mean, I think it's, I'm not going to, just because it looks like we're not going to get it, I'm not going to change my tune on this deal. I think it's super important. I think it gives you the most time off between when you play, in the sense you're going to not play until Sunday. I guess that's only an extra day compared to Saturday, but I feel like that matters. It gets you against a less good team. I think that matters. Against a team has played two games already, most likely in two different, actually, all almost guaranteed, but could be in the same city, but in all likelihood they'll be playing their third game, you know, in a, of high intensity in three different cities. So they're tired and you get an edge. The West is going to be such a bloodbath. Uh, two through one through six. Now I thought it was going to be one through seven, but Port, unless Portland can turn this around that you, um, that you, you know, if you can get through that first series in five, while the nuggets and Lakers are, killing each other for seven, like then you've got an edge in the next series and they got to travel to you. So I think it's really important. Um, you know, and I, you know, the next important is two and then the next, you know, so, I mean, I think it, it I do think it matters. I always have laughed. Oh, the regular season doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Except for the fact that like seating dictates the playoffs. So other than that, it doesn't mean anything. So compare that importance then to the importance of going into the playoffs healthy. Well, that's certainly more important, right? I mean, if you're, don't have Mike Conley or don't have Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs, then you're not, you know, you're not going to win. Um, the reason we have the number one seed right now is because we've been the healthiest team in the Western Conference for the good teams, and pretty soon Phoenix is going to have the number one seed because they've been the healthiest team of the of those. If you know, if things don't go our way, and and if that's the case, then you know that's what's dictated a lot of this season. Is I think we would all agree if the Clippers or Lakers had been equally as healthy as we have been, they might have a better record, but they weren't. And so we took advantage of that. And, um, and now, you know, you try to hold on to whatever advantage you can get going into the playoffs of a bunch of very closely knit teams. But I don't think there's, I don't think there's a huge margin between the teams in the Western conference one through six. Um, and I think health has been a huge dictator in, in that. And, each of those teams has something, you know, that makes them uniquely special. Um, you know, if they'd all been healthy, I think we could probably figure out how they would have ranked out. I think Denver's the one team we weren't sure of that might be have really been quite special if Jamal Murray didn't get hurt. So I know you're not Dr. Petron, but uh, have seen hamstring injuries over the years. Of course, we heard about Harden's setback there in Brooklyn. You know, Ricky Rubio's hamstring was a huge story a couple of years ago in the playoffs for the Jazz. And with those kind of things in mind, how concerned are you about uh, Conley's hamstring? Well, I mean, to your point of you need health, I sure, uh, you know, uh, a lot more concerned than in, than if there had been no hamstring and he was playing tonight, right? Like, yeah. let's, uh, you know, so I, I think that you're certainly concerned. Um, I, you know, I don't know, you know, the reports yesterday from various reporters were that he aggravated it. Um, so I don't, I didn't, you know, no one said that to me. So I missed that. Um, if it was an official report, I'd, I'd be surprised if the jazz used that wording. And I think it really depends, you know, last year, heck last year, he missed from December 27th to, to 
to the 18th of January. He missed an entire month when he came back for that one game and then and then went back out. Um, you know, so if that's the case, we're in a whole lot of trouble. If it's more what we saw, you know, where he sat out three games in in earlier this year, then that you know, then that puts us into a much better circumstance. If he, you know, I, I would, you know, my goal, if I'm being hopeful, is that you know, if maybe really for the final five that we play, you would like to have the crew back together. Um, and that's a week from Saturday because, frankly, you need to win four of those five at that point. So tonight, David, and Sacramento is shorthanded themselves and not having Deer and Fox is where you need to start that conversation because he, uh, he is awesome. But yeah, you... the two teams, by the way, not counting Marvin Bagley because I'm not sure which team he would help. Yeah. Um, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley out, 42 points, 8 rebounds, 11 assists, 42, 8, and 11. The Aaron Fox, Harrison Barnes, 41, 10, and 11. Wow. So they're about the exact same. So you mentioned this in the postgame. I think we were doing crosstalk when you talked about this, but uh, how they really missed Donovan's usage against Minnesota because they needed somebody to not only take shots but make shots because everybody was was kind of off that night, not named Mike Conley. Well, that that issue is certainly even more tonight with no Mike Conley. So who who makes up for that usage, David? Is it is it? I mean, is can we expect twenty shots from Jordan Clarkson again? I mean, it just seems like. Man, those are two very important offensive players to be missing. Yeah, I mean, I think you're gonna you're gonna have to go to Boyan and Boyan and Clarkson, and then Joe. I, I have an interesting note in my notes uh, for Joe. So Joe, in per 36 minutes when he plays without Donovan and Mike, okay, he averages 19 points, five rebounds, seven assists. He shoots 48 percent from the floor, 45 percent from three, and 91 percent from the field. Mm probably going to have to get that from him right like um probably you know royce is just not some like royce if you go look at royce's numbers without donovan and mike on the floor it gets pretty ugly well that makes sense because they create offense kick it to him make plays to him and he doesn't if he's not one who's making his own plays so joe's gonna have to be super aggressive on the pick and roll and try to be able to to make some plays, they they guarded Rudy. I think he only took two shots last time against Sacramento. So Joe's going to have to go to the rim. You know, Jordan's only shot forty percent and twenty five percent from three when he's been on the floor this year without Donovan and without Mike Conley. So that's that's not you know. And Jordan, frankly, has not been great recently, right? He's shooting thirty one percent in his last three games, and um, you know, got one of his lowest effective field goal percentages of his career, and um, you know, needs needs to get a little bit more efficient with his with his freedom. So David, maybe this is a little hot takey and feel free to tell me if I'm wrong, but uh, Royce O'Neal passing up open threes is an underrated problem because if he doesn't take the threes and let's take out the makes for a second, if he doesn't take them, the other team doesn't guard him. And if the other team doesn't guard him, you can't play him. And if you can't play him, that's your best on the ball defender that, that can't play. Am I overreacting? A little bit. So there's a lot of what you're saying that's, that's pretty accurate. Like if we went backwards, can you do that backwards? Can you do the alphabet backwards? This is your sobriety check. Um, if you do it backwards, I think you're right. And then I'm going to stop you somewhere in the line. So best perimeter defender. So we have to play him. And if they don't guard him, then it's hard to play him. Those are all true. Um, and that's an issue. Um, him bypassing threes, I think 
I mean, the, there's two sides to the story. You don't really want him taking 12. Right. So, you know, we probably need to watch the possession through to see what happens before we start freaking out about him bypassing threes all the time. The other thing is, you know, he's not, he's not shooting it very well right now. So, therefore, I think there's a level where, you know, he's probably being respectful to those around him, and we probably should keep an eye on what happens next on, it, on his shots, right? When Royce takes five or more threes, I don't think we win a lot. Like, I'd have to check it, but my, I could do some quick math. Are you going to let me do quick math for a second? Yeah, please. Four, six, eight, ten. We're 12 and nine, I think, when he takes five or more threes. Um, so can you can you sure read right. can you read further into that yeah. then? I mean, is I mean that... that's pretty well, that's pretty dramatic, by the way. Yeah, when Royce takes five or more threes, we're twelve and nine. When he takes fewer than twelve threes, we're thirty-one and eight. So what creates like, we, what what creates the need for Royce to take more threes? Well, so I think what you want Royce to be doing is to drive the basket to create the blender, to make the next pass out, to keep keep the thing going. If he's clearly not guarded, you know, obviously he's got to shoot a three. I, I, I'm far more concerned with the fact that Royce O'Neal has played, I think, somewhere in the range of like 160 minutes without taking a free throw. God, that's a lot. Is that true? Yeah. That's, that's kind of mind-blowing, actually. So that, to me, is a far bigger concern than him bypassing or taking threes because, frankly, when he shoots a lot of – every time he shoots a three, it means one of our better three-point shooters is probably not shooting it. And so I'm not sure I really care about him bypassing. But if you're not going to shoot threes, then go attack the rim and go draw some fouls and, and be aggressive going to the line. And, you know, he has not taken a free throw in five games and the average is 32 minutes a night, so I'm going to just go out on the limb and call it 160 minutes. I have not done the math. Let me ask you this, David. When when Rudy gets a bunch of shots or Rudy doesn't take a lot of shots, what usually is the major factor in that? A defensive choice. Rudy doesn't dictate whether or not he gets shots or not. Um, so you kind of have to pick your poison against us. If Rudy, if you're going to take away our threes, then you're playing the pick and roll with two players. And when you play the pick and roll with two players, Rudy's going to sneak behind you every now and then and he's going to get shots. Um, the minute you decide you're playing the pick and roll with the third player, which means that Rudy is rolling to the basket, and now you bring a third guy in from the outside, and so you're guarding the strong side, likely, or whatever side the Jazz have two shooters on, you're guarding both of those two shooters with one person and making the rotation out of that. That's, um, you know, that's, that's the answer right there. When Rudy takes 11 shots, or more, we're nine and one. Mm-hmm. So letting Rudy get shots, which sometimes people do to deny our threes, is a bad strategy because Rudy dunks. Now, what's interesting is if the flip side of this is also true. Like if Rudy takes six or fewer shots, I think we're 13 and one. So it's kind of a funny game. Like if someone exaggerates it too much on either side, it doesn't work well for them. What do you expect tonight? Um, we got we have to win. 
Like, it's not like a sort of have to win. Like, it's a have to win. Like, I think if you lose tonight, the three seed comes into play. Um, Because there aren't that many wins left on our schedule, depending when Mike and Donovan come back. Um, And, you know, so I think that you have to win tonight. You, um, and they're missing just as much as we are. I expect it to be um, a fairly ugly game just because the four of the best players are not playing. Um, and my concern is that they're terrible because they can't defend. And the guys that they're going to play instead of their regular guys tonight are going to play super hard and probably put out a higher energy effort level than this team regularly does on the defensive end, and we don't have the firepower to beat them, and you know necessarily without two of our main ball handlers. Um, so I think it could be really it could be really difficult in that sense. Um, the key to me tonight is the 18 minutes in which Joe Ingles is off the floor. We have not done this very much this year, obviously, because we have three-point guards, and they're Joe Ingles, Mike Conley, and Donovan Mitchell. And so we have only played, I think, about 80 possessions this year during non-blowout time in which Donovan, Mike, and Joe have all been off the floor. But in those 80 minutes in which – or 80 possessions, which is probably about 40 minutes of basketball. Let me make sure my numbers are right. This was 50 possessions, excuse me were we can't score. We have an offensive rating of an 88.5, we, which is in the zero percentile, which is <laughs> even better than I did on my math test um, as a child, um, or maybe my English grammar. Um, and our defensive rating is a 120 in the sixth percentile. We are minus 30. We've been outscored in 52 possessions by 16 points when Joe Ingles, Donovan Mitchell, and Mike Conley are off the floor. Now, some of that was with Jawan Morgan because it's night day where Rudy didn't play, and so it's not maybe the greatest sample size, but that is the crux of this game in which is going to be where the game is determined. Their injuries do not leave them with that big a gap um, because they do – well, Harrison Barnes and De'Aaron Fox are both, you know, really, really good, and they're two best players on their team, um, they, they are missing – they're not – they don't play the same position. So it's not as um, horrendous. But let's be clear, the Sacramento Kings without Harrison Barnes, without De'Aaron Fox, are in minus seven per 100 possessions and one of the truly worst defensive teams you'll see. So we have to take advantage of it. But zero percentile, that's not good, right? Yeah, you know, so, I mean, right. That's me taking a Chinese test without ever having taken Chinese. (laughs) That's not good. Anytime you hear zero percentile. You know, if your counselor brings you in in high school and says, you know, we've got to work on the zero percentile in whatever subject, you're in trouble. Right. It's the chance that we had as kids of dating, like, who? Halle Berry, Jennifer Aniston, and whatever other, like, person we had on our wall. Zero. Zero percentile. That's it. it. Dumb and dumber. Dumb and dumber. Better chance than zero percentile. I hear you, brother. Well, uh, David, thank you. Uh, Look forward to your call tonight. In fact, uh, I will see and talk to you soon. That's right. Is Lacombe actually going to make it, or like, is this like one of his load management days? You know, Lacombe is going to be on it. In fact, uh, Tim's going to be 
uh, helping me miss some games here. You know, I haven't missed a game yet this year, David. I'm kind of proud of that. Not well, that you I ever miss games. I can make all these but... jokes about load management, but I, if the truth be told, when I was the Seattle Supersonics pre-halftime and post-game show host, after when I was the Jazz pre-halftime and post-game show host, I realized what a burden it was, but I also could ski during the day. So when I went to Seattle and negotiated my deal with Seattle, I negotiated time off on weekends so that I could make sure I got my ski days in was really the reason. But it's also because 82 pre-halftime post-game shows is an awful lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And you were smarter than me, so congratulations on that. Where, where was that advice uh, before I took the gig? You know, I only have like one, two, three worthwhile things in 50 years that I've learned. <laughs> I gave you one already today. Well, there's two. It's just a little late. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, jokes aside, I love it. I, I think uh, I'm part of a, a really unbelievable broadcast. David, I know you probably listen to more NBA broadcasts than, than I do around the league, but I can't imagine many better than uh, the one you and I are part of. Well, we got the fun stuff going. Like tonight, we're, like, we've got the crew working. It's not anything I do. It's Lundy and the crew back there. We'll be monitoring that Clipper Suns game all night long, going to that. You know, the crazy one is I think we're rooting for the Suns tonight. Really? Wait, before we let you go break that down, uh, just because you think the Clippers have what easier road or they're going to play their guys, what do you think? So I don't really – like our worst-case scenario is now the third seed, right? Like that's really what we now don't want. You don't want Luka in the first round. And so I think it's going to be if, – if Donovan is out – going to be reevaluated next Saturday. Like, they're not reevaluating Donovan next Saturday and saying, oh, you can play. Like, then, right. so he can start doing something. So if, if we're probably a little ways without Donovan and we're a little ways without Mike, then I kind of have just decided that, well, my best case scenario is certainly the f- first seed, but I, I, I think Phoenix just earned it. Like, they went three and two on that road trip and we got injuries and, you know, they, they after they play us, their schedule is crazy soft. I think it's going to be really hard to get the one seed. So I'd, let's make sure we get the two seed. And so I think maybe you're rooting for Phoenix tonight. Interesting. All right, David. Well, uh, we'll see you soon. All right. I'll ask it as a poll question on my Twitter account at DLocko9 and see what people say. Beautiful. We'll be following. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right. See you. Bye. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Of course, tip-off tonight, a little after 8 o'clock. Pre-game begins at 7. All right. We'll have more big shows straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.